0: Welcome to the Red State Blues, the official podcast of the Wyoming Democratic Party, where we talk with political leaders, candidates, and community members about what life is like living blue in a red state.
1: Today on the Red State Blues, Deputy Communications Director Lindsay Hanlon does a joint interview with Jackie Grimes, candidate for Senate District 10, and Trey Sherwood, candidate for House District 14, about the benefits of running for office with friends and how candidates can assist and inspire one another. Lindsay also speaks with Jane Ifland, candidate for House District 57, about the importance of persistence and a powerful imagination. Finally, we'll hear from a lifelong Republican who knows that we need to vote blue for the sake of our state, and a Dem who says she owes a lot to a Democratic president who served before she was even born. Hello, everyone. My name is Lindsay Hanlon, and I'm the Deputy Communications Director for the Wyoming Democratic Party. With me today are Jackie Grimes, our candidate for Senate District 10, and Trey Sherwood, our candidate for House District 14. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. So I hear that you guys are campaigning together a lot and that there's kind of a, a, a causal link between you guys' campaigns. Can you guys tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, this is Trey. I can start.
2: Um I just have been inspired by how hard Jackie works, um, how intelligent she is, and how strategic she is about building community. Um, And at the end of 2018, when the campaign season wrapped up, Jackie gave a really inspirational speech about getting back on the horse, keeping going. And that moment really inspired me to consider running. Um, And so now as a candidate, it's been wonderful to reach out to her and share ideas and strategies, um, make sure that we've got each other's material when we're out knocking on doors. And it just feels really good to be in a supportive environment.
3: Uh, this is uh, Jackie. You know, I, I would agree with Trey. I actually became aware of Trey when I was running in 2018 because she was on a short whispered list of people who maybe. Um, Should be running and wasn't running. Um, And then I started getting way more familiar with her work with downtown and just saw all that she's done for our community and for businesses. And um, especially when everything shut down with the pandemic, you know, Trey just stepped up to the nth degree to make sure that people had resources, were able to move to digital formatting and got help with their workload. And so when Trey was willing to make that commitment to run for office, I was so excited about her candidacy because I believe that she is all that is good in our community. And I think her solutions she's already brought for Albany County um, are the same kind of solutions we need for our state. So it was a really easy decision for me to help support Trey's candidacy and talk to voters about her because I believe in her as a candidate.
1: That is awesome. So, Jackie, I think I got to hear a bit about that um, Get Back on the Horse speech at the Nellie taylor dinner last year, but many of our listeners probably haven't. Can you tell me about that apparently very inspirational speech?
3: Um, it actually was my uh, confession speech. I wrote it about um, a month before the election because I felt like I needed to mentally be prepared. And I really needed to reflect on why I decided to run. Um, And that wasn't an easy decision for me to run. It took a lot of convincing because um, I wanted to make sure that if I was going to run for office, that I could fulfill my duties and responsibilities to my community. For me, it's not just a title. It's about what can I do to give back and how can I support others? um, And how can I do that in a way that also still supports my family? And so I spent a lot of time Um, researching and consulting with people before I made the decision. And so in my confession speech, I talked about um, the importance of persistence and not giving up because one of the greatest pieces of advice I got during that time period was that it takes three elections to get elected. And the reason why that happens is because It takes that long for people to get to know your name and know what you're all about and to believe that you're not just there for a title, that you're going to stick around and that you're there to support your community, even if you are not an elected official, to have faith in who you are. And so when I decided to run, that was actually the commitment that I made. And so in my concession speech, I shared that, but I also shared that, you know, 2018 was my test run because I didn't know what I was doing. And 2020 was the year that I was really going to be serious. Um, about moving forward. And we all need to kind of make that commitment um, to to getting known and supporting our community. And so, yeah, that, that was basically <laughs> the gist of my concession speech was to announce my 2020 candidacy um, and my commitment to my community.
1: That's excellent. And a good way to save some time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was beautifully said,
2: Jackie. And I love that you and I both have that shared vision for, you know, taking care of our neighbors, building our community and taking everything that we've done boots on the ground here in Albany County, you know, to the state level. So, I yeah, I'm just thrilled to be able to
1: serve with you. Me too. Oh, <laughs> you guys are very heartwarming. I love it. <laughs> so, uh tell me a bit about each of your backgrounds, kind of what what brought you here, what brought you to this decision to run and to work with your community in this way? And what are you kind of bringing to that role?
3: Um, I'll kind of start with that one since I I've, this is my second run. Um, I'm a school psychologist by by trade. Is what I do. I work in public education and help identify and work with students who have disabilities. Um, I have long had very strong political opinions and beliefs about things. Um, and I never really thought about political office. My my family has been really involved in um, civil rights. My dads were part of the lawsuit to legalize gay marriage in Massachusetts. And I've been on the sidelines and just had faith in the system that, you know, I could go and live my life and do good in, in my community. But I didn't necessarily feel that call to run for office. Um, and then being a public educator, I didn't necessarily see myself as a politician until One of my, um, my friends, one of my women friends, she called me and asked me if I would ever consider running for office. And I immediately started laughing at her um, because I had a three-year-old and one-year-old and that was the most insane thing I thought anyone could ever ask. Um, And so when I really started to think about, you know, what we need from our elected officials and who should be at that table, I looked at our state and I just didn't see there, you don't see women. You don't see women with young children. You don't see people who have families being represented and decisions that were being made are being made by people who don't have that perspective of what it's like to live here. And my husband was born and raised here and talking with him. It was very much a, this isn't the Wyoming that I grew up with. Everyone is kind of out for their own instead of for the community as a whole. And um, we just really agreed that um, for the sake of our family and for the future of our community, really needed to have that strong advocacy and shared vision and the ability to collaborate and bring groups of people together to work cooperatively for better outcomes was just essential. And that's a big part of what my job is, is looking at the data and making decisions based upon that and then helping people to get to where they need to be, even when it's really, really hard to go there. Um, And really thought those skills would be valuable in our state legislature.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) That's something we desperately need. How about you, Chai? Absolutely.
2: (laughs) So I found myself in Laramie in 2004. My dad's in the Air Force, so I proudly call myself an Air Force brat, and I had the pleasure of going to school on different military bases where um, diversity and change was the norm, and so that really um, shaped who I am as an individual in terms of social justice um, and listening and collaborating with people who have different ideas than my own. Um so I graduated with my masters in museum studies and public history with a focus on you know how do you make the past relevant to people today and how does it shape who we are as a community um so I landed a job at the Territorial Prison which is a historic site <laughs> and then shortly after I was blessed to meet my husband who is a sixth generation wyomingite um so he just helped me fall in love with the state by touring me around and um introducing me to new communities and then a few years later, I was able to join the class of 2009's Leadership Wyoming. And that was just an eye-opener for me to understand Wyoming's economy, our education system, our you know, successes and our failures to build vibrant communities. Um, and that gave me the confidence and tools that I needed to become the Laramie Main Street director in that role I've served for the last 10 years. And I'm happy to say that economic development is my jam. I love working one-on-one with our small business owners, lifting them up, finding them resources they need to be successful, and add new jobs to our community. Um, So I want to take everything I've learned from my experience as an Air Force brat, as a historian, um, as a supporter of the public arts and our small businesses to Cheyenne, to just build that sense of vibrancy, quality of place,
1: um, all throughout Wyoming. So th- that's the end of my kind of pre-planned questions. Are there any other things that you guys would like to discuss or anything that you would like to bring up or make sure people know about you and your campaign?
3: I think, you know, for me, what I'd, I'd like people to think of, I, 2020 just feels, it feels like a heavy year. It feels at the national level, the international level, the world level, you know, just heavy we 've got a lot of um, stressful things that have happened, you know, um, and locally, things are stressful. We look at the the impending budget crisis and the cuts that are coming and how much that would impact Albany county because we 're a county that 's really supported by public service workers and those jobs and it can feel so overwhelming that you don 't see the hope, but for me, I see hope because right now. I see what what you see anytime there's a, there's a big crisis like right now we've got the Mullins fire in Albany County and you see the best parts of our county coming forward you see people rallying to bring supplies to firefighters and other emergency responders you see people rallying to bring um, to build up money and resources for our fire department which the you know the, the Major fire departments that are battling the fire right now are volunteer fire departments, so they don't have a budget to buy them the supplies and the resources that they need. And you see people in the community offering to help people who are evacuated, either by providing them housing or having space on their property for animals. And you see the best parts of our community. And I think that's true with what we're facing right now as a community, and we're facing right now as a state, is that the best parts of us are going to step up. And we will find a plan and we will get through this. And history has taught us that time and time again that we can face just um, kind of those really difficult moments in time, those insurmountable odds, and we overcome that. And I feel like that's where we are right now as a culture and where we are as a county, as a state, is that it might feel overwhelming. But right before Or right after we get to that point where things are so overwhelming is always when the better outcomes happen. And so I don't want people to give up hope. I want them to have faith that things will come together and we have a bright future together. We just have to come together as a community and support one another.
2: Mm -hmm. That was so beautiful. (laughs) I, yeah, I think one of the things that, Jack, many things that Jackie and I have in common is um, that we're optimists and that we lead with hope and compassion and empathy for others and care of community. That doesn't mean that we ignore the hardships around us. That just means that we hold true to our internal compass, our core values, um, and that we are part of the solution. So even though it is hard and we're in in the middle of a lot of change. Um, I'm excited to see so many candidates who are running despite the hardship to really get in, roll up our sleeves and make a difference. Um, So yes, leading with hope and empathy and compassion for
1: others is critical to Wyoming's future. Excellent. Well, thank you both very, very much for joining me today. It's been lovely. Thank you.
3: Oh, thanks for For hosting this and getting it together, all this new modern technology is exciting. Right? We're so fancy.
0: (laughs) You're listening to Red State Blues, the official podcast of the Wyoming Democratic Party.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Lindsay Hanlon, the Deputy Communications Director for the Wyoming Democratic Party. And with me today is Jane Iffland, who is running for House 57. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jane. Just thrilled to be here. Thank you for asking, Lindsay. <laughs> of course. So the first question I want to ask is um, to just have you tell me a little bit about yourself. What is your background? What kind of brought you to this point where you're running for office?
4: Well, I have kind of spent my career looking to see what the next thing is And I've done a lot of broadcast work. I was in media and marketing and so forth, owned my own company for 35 years. In those fields, I designed the logo for the Casper Transportation System, Um, wrote the first visitor's guide to Casper and Wyoming, Casper and Natrona County anyway. (laughs) And uh, at the same time, I had a parallel track going on in community service, volunteer work, that kind of thing. And after I retired, I just was casting about for another way to make a contribution. And my eye fell on the Wyoming house. Well, excellent. That is a
1: very good way to start giving back as well. And you've run for
4: office a few times now, right? I have, this is my fourth campaign. Somebody really has to get out there and demonstrate that there are alternatives to what's going on and show what those alternatives look like. That is a very good point. So were all four of
1: those or have all four races been for um the state house or were you running for different offices at different
4: times? I ran for the commission once years ago,
1: okay, and what is it about the house that is kind of what you're focusing on, what, what do you want to do or what do you want to change at the House level so that you're, that's where
4: you're focusing? Well, our, our uh, present representation is really not effective. It's very ideological. It's driven by forces not resident to the district. And uh, I'm sorry to have to say this, but it's failed. The incumbent has put forth 29 bills And out of those bills, only one has been passed into law, which makes me think that he's not in touch with the zeitgeist.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a very good way to put that. So what are the core issues for your campaign? What are the things that you are building your campaign around?
4: Healthcare and access to it is certainly one. We've got to do better at giving people access to health care, facilitating it, and uh, in helping out our rural hospitals. We've turned down something like $45 million in federal money each year since the Medicaid expansion option was offered. And under our current circumstances, I really don't see how we can afford to keep turning back $45 million a year which of course goes to other states then. So I definitely favor Medicaid expansion. I'm also very interested in K through 12 education and indeed to expanding it to preschool through age, through age 18 or 19 or 20, whatever it takes to get that high school degree. It's the foundation of everything else. And, when we think about the economic diversity that we're all striving for, the, there are two things underlying companies' choices about where to locate. One is a healthy, well-educated workforce, and the other is a stable tax climate so that they can plan in confidence. And that brings me to another place where I think we could be doing better, The obvious drop in revenue from extraction of all kinds just has to be taken into account. We have spent a lot of time and a lot of money on, in one way or another, insisting on coal. And what I see as I look, not only in Natrona County, not only in Wyoming, not only in the United States, but around the globe, is an increasing reluctance to rely on polluting fuels for anything. So we'd be well off, in my estimation, to think through how to support the coal miners particularly, and at the same time to find our way forward into the future in a way that does not create tax instability.
1: Yeah, that instability is a really big thing. I mean, I've lived here, you know, most of my life and we talk about boom and bust a lot. And it seems as if kind of lately it's been bust and bust. So I'm going to circle this back a little bit, actually, to, to the times that you've run what do you think are some of the most important lessons you've learned from your various campaigns? What do you kind of bring forward each time? What kind of keeps you going for each next campaign?
4: It's funny. I was looking back at material from my other House campaigns and it's uh, it's remarkable how ineffective the address to the problems that keep being raised time and time and time again, year after year, session after session, we are not getting anywhere. So sometimes people have to hear things, think about things uh, that are different three or four or five or 10 times. So I think it's incumbent on me as a repeating candidate, a returning candidate to bring them up again and see if people are ready to act. Because uh, the, the domination of one party in the states thinking about everything is just tremendously damaging. If you look at my logo, it says balance works better. And we have done really well at clinging to what's already there but we have done really poorly at imagining what could be. And that failure of imagination is another one of the big reasons I'm running. I'm blessed with a very powerful imagination. And if you give me a set of factors that you have only been able to arrange in one way, I will think of a way to arrange them in a different way. That's just what I do. Whenever you're confronted by a problem, I'm not talking about an oh my God problem. I'm talking about like a math problem, Um, any kind of a problem that doesn't have an emotional load to it. You attempt a solution. If that solution isn't effective, if it doesn't solve the problem, you can either decide that you haven't executed that solution well enough and Do it again, but bigger or harder or longer or something along that line. Or you can decide that your first attempted solution uh, wasn't as good as it could have been. So you try something else. And that's right where we're stuck. And we have been stuck there for, well, I've lived in the district for 30 years. I've lived in Casper for 40 years. So... Not all of that time, but for quite a lot of the recent time, that's where we've been stuck. We keep trying to figure out what we can make out of coal instead of figuring out what we can make out of our people if we come together, what we can make out of our unparalleled landscape if we can preserve and access it appropriately. It's just the persistent failure of imagination that makes me shake my head. That is all that I had for you today, Jane. Thank you so much
1: for joining me. I really appreciate it. Sure. Absolutely. Hi, this is Mary Jane Clark Morkheim in Torrington, Wyoming, and I'm a lifelong Republican. Um, This year, I just don't feel that the Republican party has anything to offer me or anyone else. We need to vote Democratic this year
0: um, if we're looking to the future. Um, Hi, I'm Jennifer Pasqua, and I vote blue mainly because I watch what candidates do rather than what they say, and one of the candidates um, that I remember doing the most for me and my family was actually Lyndon Johnson, and of course I wasn't alive when Lyndon Johnson was around. But he um, passed the Higher Ed Act, which created Pell Grants, and Pell Grants were how I went to college. Um, I was I grew up poor, and I was unable to afford college, and I was the first person in my family to go to college, and um, I really took advantage of the Pell Grant, and I've never forgotten that. And I also vote blue um, because I think Dems really include everyone. Um, they allow you to have your own opinion. You don't have to sign a pledge of allegiance to the party. Um, you're allowed to believe what you want. And, uh, that's, those are the main reasons why I vote blue. Thanks for listening to red state blues. Enjoyed today's podcast. It would not be possible without your continued support to donate, visit yodems.org.